The Parent-Teacher Conference Podcast is sponsored by FanSchool. Parents, are you finding it difficult to see your child's work since it's all digital? Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. When I was 10 years old, I decided to do a brave act. I went out for my town's minor league all-star team. Now, what we had in our town were the midget minors, which was when you were eight, nine, and ten were typically for minor leagues, and eleven and twelve were little league. When I first started baseball, when I was eight years old, and I'm being honest here, anybody who played baseball with me when I was eight will confirm this. I was the worst player in the league by far. Horrible. The first time I hit the ball, I ran the third base. That is that is a fact. And it's kind of scary because my father was an avid baseball fan. He was still playing adult softball. I went to his games, but I just didn't like the sport at that time. But I, the next year, I started to get into it, started to um, enjoy it more. By the time I was 10, so two years later, I had moved from the worst kid in the league, like number one worst kid, to in at nine years old, I was probably one of the worst kids in the league, not the worst probably anymore. Now at 10, I was probably somewhere in the middle of the pack. I, I definitely wasn't all-star caliber, but I decided to go out for the team. And I think it helped that I went out just to see what would happen. I, I had no expectations of making the team. And without that ex that burden of the expectation, I actually had a great trial. I still remember to this day, uh, we fielded ground balls at third base and made the throws. And I fielded everyone cleanly. I made every throw. Every throw was strong. And they were doing pitchers. And I was a pitcher. And they're like, hey, if you want it, if you if you don't want to try for pitching, you're done. But if you do, stay around. And I remember thinking to myself, nah. I'm not going to go out. I'm not one of the better pitchers in the league anyhow. You know what? I had, I'm had. i not going to ruin it. I still remember this thing. I mean, I'm not going to ruin it. I had a great try. I hit the ball well. I could always run. Running wasn't the issue. And here I am. I just finished fielding the ball in the infield well. We also took outfield flies as well. So I walked away. And I got a phone call a couple of nights later, or my parents did, saying, congratulations, Kevin's made the minor league all-star team. So we played all summer. We weren't that good. But I was a starting center fielder for most of the summer. And then school started. And we didn't have year-round baseball back then. So I started to go to soccer again, basketball, and then it was spring. And I was really excited because I was wondering, I'm moving up. I have to be moving up now from minor league to little league. And that's not always the case for 11-year-olds. Some 11-year-olds in a sense, almost like get left back because the coaches don't draft them. 
but I was a minor league all-star. So my friends, I remember going to school talking about which little league team drafted them. You know, I, oh, I got drafted by BFW. PBA got me. You know, I can't wait to play for Knights of Columbus. They're the green, you know, they're the gray and green uniforms, right? Hey, Colin, what, what little league team are you going to be on? I, I don't know. I, I don't know yet. I found out why I didn't know yet. Because I wasn't drafted by the Little League. I was back in the minor leagues on the same team I played for the previous two years. And I was hurt. Not just that I didn't make Little League, but when I realized that the only member of the minor league all-star team that I was on who didn't make Little League was me. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. I'm your host, Coach Cullen, and what we're been trying to do on this podcast is take a look at situations from both a parent's point of view and a teacher's point of view. And I think this episode is a really important one in that discussion because it is something that impacts both the parent side and the teacher, or in this case, the coach's side. And it's about making teams, making sports teams. I mean, there's a lot of emotion going involved. Your child is taking a risk. Just like in the story I told in the beginning, me taking the risk of going out for the minor league team, even though I realized I was not one of the elite players. Now, that ended with the thrill of victory, right? But later on, when it came to being drafted in Little League, I experienced the agony of defeat. And no parent wants to see their kid upset. I was upset. I was upset a lot of times. And even through adulthood, I've been upset when I didn't receive something I thought I earned or didn't feel like I was getting the same opportunities. And when you see your child suffering with that, suffering with, let's be honest, it's rejection, how are you going to act? Sometimes parents act with anger. Sometimes they fully blame the coach as if the coach was out to get their child or the coach didn't know what they're doing. And then the coaches get these emails back or phone calls, these angry phone calls, and they try to restrain their anger because in their point of view, they've done everything right. They, the one thing they didn't do is select your child. And sometimes that anger spills out of them. And we're looking, and that's why this podcast is good for, for what the topic we're talking about today because that's the whole point of it. Um, I am going to express... What I have been seeing as a parent when my daughters go out for different teams, and if you've been listening long enough, you know a couple episodes ago I bragged about how my oldest daughter, and I was shocked by this, made her freshman volleyball team. But at the same time, I'm going to talk to you from a coach's point of view, how we go about creating teams. So if you like what you hear, or if you know a parent or a coach or a teacher 
who needs to listen to this to get some ideas and tips or just some reassurance of they're doing things right, please share this podcast episode. You can, if you saw it on Twitter, please retweet it and put a message out there saying, hey, you should listen to this. This this guy gives some good perspective on teams and cuts from both the parent and coach's point of view. So retweet it out. Do the same thing on Facebook. Just tell a friend. Look up the parent-teacher conference. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Amazon Music. If I got something wrong today or something that I missed that you think I should know about, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. That's P as in parent, T as in teacher, C as in conference. So ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. So, so you might be wondering, how did you handle not making it to Little League? Well, and this is something I told my daughter when she went out for the volleyball team. And I think it's good advice for parents as their child is getting ready to try out for either a school program, a travel program, on their in their town, whatever. Even if you're trying out for like the school play, I, I think this is still pertinent. What I decided as a kid and the and what I passed on to my daughter was the same idea. I realized I had a choice. Either I could just see baseball as something I do in the spring and just leave it behind all other years. And eventually, I would just, like many other kids, peter out. Or I could double down and say, you know what? No, I want to be a baseball player. I want to play baseball. And I knew my parents would have supported me in either decision. And that's what I told my daughter. I said, if you don't make the, the volleyball team this year, you have a choice. Either you say, you know what? I'm going to keep on doing volleyball because it's fun. I enjoy it, but I'm not going to look, I'm not going out for the team next year. It's, it's okay. You know, volleyball is a, is a fun, you can set up a net at the beach. You can go out with friends. It's just fun. And that's fine. That's, if that's where you want to go with it, that's fine. Focus. You only have so many hours in a day. Focus your time on something else. Or you could double down and mom and dad will support you on that decision. Will we've been sending her to clinics anyhow, um, before this year, for the last year, she just, if you didn't have another story, my, my daughter decided, I think last year around this time, she wanted to take up volleyball. Now, some of the girls in her class have already been playing volleyball because there's a very strong rec volleyball program in my town. And not too far from our house is a volleyball, you know, one of those places like, they teach volleyball. That's their profession. They are professional volleyball instructors and you go there for different clinics and stuff. So, there's access to volleyball already, and some of these girls in her class have already taken advantage of it. So we're like, okay, we'll sign for some clinics. We got her involved in the rec league. She decides to go out for the volleyball team, and I'm here I am telling her, if you don't make it, you can either say volleyball's just for enjoyment. I'm not going to go out for the school team anymore, and that's fine. Or you can double down and say, no, can you please sign me up for more clinics this year? I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to come back and try out again my sophomore year for JV Volleyball. Well, lo and behold, she made the team. I mean, I was preparing her. And that's one thing. I Here's my first tip from the parent point of view. Prepare your child that they may not make the team. 
Tell them that's a possibility. Don't lie to them. I, you know, oh, you got to be so positive. You got to be so. No, I'm not saying don't be positive. But at the same time, prepare them for the possibility that it might not happen. So that way, it hurts a little less. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt them. And it's going to hurt you because you, you never, no parent wants to see their kid upset. So prepare them for the possibility they may not make the team. My my daughter understood this. And the and the other thing, when you're preparing them that they may not make the team, you this is the one thing you positive thing you absolutely need to express. My love for you is not dependent on if you make that team or not. You understand that. If you make the team, I will be happy with you. We will celebrate. But if you get cut. I will be here to hold you, and I will sympathize with you. I think the child, your, your, our children need to know that, not just hear it, know it. And the way they know it is that you're showing that type of love for them in situations well beyond if they make a school team or not. Now, what if your kid doesn't make the team? Should you reach out to the coach? First, don't assume the coach had bad motives. I think we, there's this feeling like it's not my kid's fault. I want to blame somebody. I want to blame the coach. And I have, over the years, I've gotten so many emails and phone calls like that. Now, one one thing I'll tell you, that you get less, the more you coach, the less you get. Especially if you establish yourself as a good coach. Because, thankfully, parents don't want people to know that they've reached out to a coach to blast them when every other parent in town says, that coach is pretty good. He's had some good teams, had some good runs. I saw that especially with baseball. Baseball was my sport, as I talked about. And I've had some successful teams coaching where I coach. So as the years went on, as I established myself as a good baseball coach, those calls and those emails got less. The best one I ever received, and here is the tip. If you are going to reach out to a coach, the email should really be, thank you for giving my child the opportunity. I was just wondering what I can help them improve upon. I had a father who played in the high minor leagues. I think he made AAA. He never made it to the majors. And I cut his son in seventh grade. And he it was a great conversation. He was just like, hey, listen, coach, I'm not calling you um, to ask if my kid, why my kid didn't make the team. He's a seventh grader. I know I know the boys, some of the boys you kept who are eighth graders. And I especially know the boys you kept at seventh graders. Those picks are fine because I, they, they, they are good players. You, you selected a good team. All I want to know is my son came home saying he was snipping at another boy. Was he an attitude problem during tryouts? That's all he wanted to know. He 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 knew his he knew his child, and I think that's something we need to know. We can't have too high of a view of our child. We want that high view. We want them to aspire to that. But I think a lot of times as parents, we see them always in the best possible light. And we have to admit, we all do. We all have certain things that we're great at, and we have some struggles and challenges. Every single one of us, and some to greater degrees than others. 
So we have to be honest about evaluating our kid. And I think that father did a great job. He knew his kid. Just so you know, in eighth grade, the kid made the team. And it wasn't have anything to do with the father's phone call. Uh, he deserved it. He improved a little bit. He definitely was somebody who deserved to be on the team. And that's another thing about reaching out to the coach. Do you really want to work to try to get your kid back on the team? Did they really earn it? This was something my father always told me. Now, one thing I didn't share about when I was 10 years old, that was the year that things turned around for me in baseball. Things started to click. And I can tell you the reason. My dad had always told me, I want you to earn things. So that way you know if you get be baseball, you get to play a certain position at school, that you get an award for some academic achievement. I never want you thinking it's because I made a phone call, I pulled strings. I want you always to know that it was you. He would keep score in our bowling league on Saturday mornings, and he told me, he goes, listen, if the machine, I think the machine knocked over the pin for you, you're not getting the pin. I'm going to ask for a re-rack. But if it's for another kid, he's getting the pin knocked down. He didn't want to ever seem, seem like it was favorites. Again, he wanted, to, wanted me to know that whatever I accomplished was because of me. Not bec- and you know, he was a part of that, encouraging and, and guiding and leading and teaching, but he was not going to be the person who made it happen. He wanted me to know, in the end of the day, you're in full in control of that. I can help you along, but I'm not going to get you that. You have to go reach out for that. So... There was a game midway through that minor league season. I was an outfielder. Again, I was kind of one of the, at 10 years old, this is right where I was moving up into like the middle of the pack. So I was probably lower middle at this point. And my coach went to my dad. My dad worked shift work. So I, he couldn't be a full-time assistant coach, but whenever he was his, he was working days, he would come out to the field and help the coach. And the coach went up to me before the game. He told me this. Before the game. So he told me, he goes, hey, listen, coach told me he's going to start you at second base. I usually play the outfield. All the bad kids play the outfield in, in like the low levels of baseball, right? So he goes, look, coach told me that he was he's going to start you at second base today because Ray is out. I told him that I don't want you starting my son at second base just because I helped you out on the team here. And what he said to me was, no, no, no. I've really seen some improvement during practices and games with Kevin. I think he's earned it. We need somebody to play second today when I'm thinking about who I have in the outfield who can play that position. I honestly believe he's the best choice. My dad goes, okay, I'm fine with that because I wanted you to know that. You earned it. Think about that. I mean, even a 10-year-old gets that. My dad didn't get me that position tonight. I got it. And you know what happened? There was this high pop, probably higher than any ball I ever saw hit to me in the outfield. Because, again, kids can't really hit the ball that far and that deep at that age. So from this was, you think of a shot, like a home run shot to second base. It was high, and I remember, I still remember, where, oh my gosh, am I going to catch this? Am I going to catch it? Plump. Into my mitt. We After the game was over, we went to my aunt and uncle's house. My dad was bragging about the catch. More than I was. And that hooked me. And I don't think it happens if I didn't realize I earned the position. Let your kids earn it.
Another thing is to see the failure or getting cut as the positive. Like I said, doubling down. My dad did that with my experience not making the Little League after and being the only minor league all-star not to make Little League the next season. From the time I was 11 when I was hurt that I didn't make the Little League and I was like the only one not to, even till today in my 50s, my dad will still say, you know, the best thing that happened for you with your baseball career was not making the Little League as an 11-year-old. Let me repeat that. He said the best thing that could have happened to my baseball career was not making the more elite team. And he said the reason is, and it isn't because I doubled down. He actually said the reason was you were just starting to get the game. You were just start, It was just starting to click for you. If you had moved up to Little League, what would have happened if you were overpowered by the pitchers? You were just striking out all the time. That you couldn't catch some of the, the deeper and harder shots that were being hit at you. Would you have been so frustrated that you had given up on baseball? The fact that you were kept down a year, almost like held back in school, you had a chance to play with kids a year younger than you. Most of the kids you were playing against were younger. You're a little stronger. You're a little bigger. The pitchers weren't going to overpower you. And what you gained in that year was confidence. You needed confidence. It was all starting to click. Now all you needed was some confidence that you could do it. I don't think you get that confidence going up to the Little League, but you definitely got it staying down an extra year. And what happens the next year? I go to Little League. My last year, I was a Little League All-Star. My team won the Little League Championship. I was a part of that. And I probably wouldn't have been if I had moved up a year earlier. So not all rejection is bad. It can teach you to work harder if you truly want to pursue it. It can help you to move to another passion. Or by being held back, it can help you develop your skills. And I think as parents, we need to know that and we need to see that. Now, how does a coach go about making a team? You know, I think for years, even I as a coach had the wrong perspective. As I started coaching more and more and I had to create a roster and make cuts, I realized that no coach cuts players down till they have enough players to play. That's not what you do. It's the opposite. You don't have tryouts to cut people. You have tryouts to find a team out of the kids who are coming out. And then you get to a point where you say, I can't keep anymore. It might be lack of uniforms, but really what it comes down to is if I keep more, there's a lot of kids are going to be disappointed now that they don't play. So right now, I'm in the middle of a tryouts for soccer, for middle school soccer team. And that's what's going on. My assistant coach and I are saying, okay, here are the, here are the best players. Here are the kids that we know will make the team. We have 11, which is what you need for a soccer team. But now we need reserves. And we're saying, okay, we want to keep about five reserves. The problem, of course, being that we have 20 kids left. So we kind of pick five out of 20. That means only 25% of the kids who are left are going to make the team. 
75% are going to be upset when they see the list posted. So today's my last tryout, and we are going to take a look. We get me another list, and the list was, okay, out of all the kids, who are like the next 10 that we think are the best? And then we'll run it down. We'll have them scrimmage against each other, scrimmage against some of the better players, so we can really get a good picture of who we feel can play. And i got to be honest, just like some people might say that minor league all-star tryout that I went to, that I overachieved that day. And maybe they made a mistake when they selected me because of it. That can happen. Like I told the kids, all we have are the tryouts. you got to give us our best in the tryouts. If you have a bad tryout, that happens. You could be making another team that the kid I took didn't make. And you're like, well, why did I make that team and not your team? Well, maybe he had a better tryout than you today. Maybe he provides me with a positional player or something that I'm missing on the that the bitter kids don't quite give me and you just replicate it. I have four kids who can do what you do. I don't need a fifth kid. I need only have two for this other position. I need a third. Like for example in soccer, I have a lot of forwards. You're a forward. I need defenders. Now, a great book you should read, and I've, I've encouraged teachers to read this, is John Wooden's They Call Me Coach. If you don't know who John Wooden is, he is the greatest college basketball coach of all time. I think it was like he won N- 10 NCAA basketball titles in 12 years. And in his book, he talks about how every year when he had kids, like and this is more of the starting lineup for UCLA, he would pass out papers after, you know, during the preseason and he said, I would like you to write down who you believe the best five players are who should start. And I will give you I will give you who are going to be our starters. And we'll compare. And he said, the first four everybody was in agreement on. He and the team, all individually, he would like it was like a survey, would would have it right on the top four players for starters. He said the difference was on that last player between two or three other players, and that's it. It was, and that's when a coach is making a team, and you need to understand that as parents, that yeah, the toughest decisions are never who are the best players. The toughest decision for coaches are who are my role players going to be. Who are my support players going to be to those starters? So yes, there are going to be times that Johnny's going to make the team over your kid and you're going to wonder why. And it's going to be a lot closer than you think. Now, if you're a coach, what do you do with that email or phone call that can be nasty? I think we have to take a step back. We can't respond with like kind. We have to take a deep breath. We have to remember, even though it's not our intention, no coach, no teacher goes into the profession to hurt kids. I've always said that. Cutting children, knowing there'll be an emotional trauma to them, is not something I enjoy. In fact, I've always said, when I do this, I actually have to work against my natural tendencies to care. 
I have to have a hard heart because I would then keep everybody, but then it will happen. And if you're like, oh, why don't you keep everybody? Because then you start having the other situation where no one's really getting enough playing time to make the sport any fun. My former principal, who himself was a legendary high school basketball coach in Northeast Pennsylvania. Basically, his words of advice for parents who are coming at you because you hurt their kid was this. Keep it brief. Keep it factual. Don't make it personal. And we need to remember that as coaches. There's somebody else's kid, and that kid's hurting. And it's a parent's natural reaction to attack. You hurt my kid, even though it wasn't physically. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of parents kind of sit back and go, oh, we sh- probably shouldn't have done that. I, 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 I believe that. I think most parents realize at the spur of the moment. And, and for you as parents, before you send that out email, right? Start thinking about some of the things I've talked about earlier in the podcast and take a deep breath. Don't send it like immediately. Give yourself some time to recompose yourself. So that way you don't heighten the tension that's already there between you and the coach, but you bring down the level and you can have a good discussion. And the one thing, don't think the worst of the coach. Don't think they were out to get your kid. They're they're not. Are there bad coaches? They are. But let's be honest, they're bad parents too. Let's kind of do away with the extremes and say to ourselves, parents, the coach is trying to do what he or she felt is best. Coach, understand that that parent's kid is hurting right now and that you don't need to join in the attack. Let's have some good dialogue and that would be what's best for the child when it comes down to it. I'm going to end with this story. Now, I didn't grow up with this kid, but I did go to high school. I went to a regional high school. And the story goes that this young man didn't make his Little League team. I think it was his Little League All-Star team. And he was upset. He, you know, And he basically swore to himself, that will never happen again. Well, I can tell you, I, I played some baseball with him. He only played one year. He played JV baseball. And he was really good. He, he hit a, I still remember to this day, this kid hit a game-winning Grand Slam home run. The only time in all my baseball, I played right through college. I've coached baseball for over 25 years. I have never had been part of it or experienced a game-ending Grand Slam home run. Down by three, two outs, boom, deep to right field. I would have to be on I think I was on third base at the time, and I was just, you just raise your arms up because you knew the right fielder wasn't getting it. Now, you might be wondering, well, you said he only played one year of baseball in high school. What did he learn? He didn't come to fame as a baseball player. Oh, he could have, and I think he could have. He was good. He was just a great athlete. He could play probably anything he wanted to pick up. His passion, although he loved baseball, his passion was more football and wrestling. He became, I think, a two-time All-Stater in football. And he was an All-State wrestler winning, going to the New Jersey State Heavyweight Championship twice, winning it his senior year. It's the late Tony Saragusa. Now, if you're younger, you may not have heard of him. Maybe you know him as a sideline reporter. If you're older, you know that Tony was one of the best run stoppers in the NFL in the 1990s. 
He played for the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens, winning a Super Bowl title in Super Bowl 35 against the Giants on a team that many consider was the greatest defense of all time. Tony realized the disappointment he had that day in not making the team wasn't the end. And he used that disappointment to push himself in other areas of life to make himself greater. I think that is a lesson that we all should know about how to turn disappointment into a positive. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.